Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. For the next 90 minutes, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, number to call 646 727 3070. That's 646 727 3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com. Send messages to the show on Twitter. At go for again, why you there? At go for again, G O F O R I T G A N T. Give me a follow. At go for again. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Bengals running back Rex Burkhead. Rex is going to talk about the Bengals' big 32 to 14 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. Also, Dolphins wide receiver Jakeem Grant. We'll be joining us, and uh, we're going to talk about the Dolphins' tough loss, but we're also going to talk about the Dolphins' upcoming game against the Arizona Cardinals and also Jakeem Grant. He has a great story, interesting story, and we're going to talk about that. So before we – so let's get right down to it. Let's get right down to it. Um, last night. Last night was uh, one of the few – Thursday night football games. Actually, the last two Thursday night football games have been good. They've been actually pretty good. I mean, you look at Minnesota and the Cowboys, decent football game, a football game that came down to the end, a football game between two, well, at least one very good football team and a a Vikings team right now that is struggling. And now you look at – you look at last night and what we saw, we saw – the Oakland Raiders go against the Kansas City Chiefs. And we saw a football game where, you know, a lot was at stake. You know, obviously if the Chiefs win, they're on top of the AFC West. Raiders win, you know, they take complete control of the AFC West and seemingly are en route to possibly getting the best record and home field event throughout the AFC. But it didn't happen last night. For the Raiders. And if you look at that particular football game, the Chiefs, Alex Smith did some things down the field. But if you look at the football game, it was about what they did. It was that second quarter. The Chiefs had a very good second quarter. You know, they did a great job in that second quarter offensively. They scored points offensively. That was it. I mean, after 
scoring those points in that second quarter, it pretty that offense pretty much was done. I mean, they scored their 21 in the second quarter, and then offensively, they were done. That was it. And the key to this particular football game, if you look at this particular football game, you look at the Raiders and that prolific offense. Well, that prolific offense was set up with some big-time field position in that third quarter down 21-10. to 10. You had the interception that set up. Well, it was a field goal. They had an opportunity there. It was deep in chief territory, but the chief defense held and did what they needed to do. And then you had another situation. You had the strip sack by Khalil Mack that also put the Raiders in prime position. And in that situation, they tried to kick a field goal. The kick, the, the snap was high. Marquette King had to run the ball, and they didn't get anything out of that. So you were in those – well, they had three turnovers. Three turnovers the Raiders had, and those turnovers ended up in nine points. But they were kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, and anytime you're kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns, you're going to run into some problems. And if also – the key to these two football games, meaning the Chiefs' two games against the Raiders, game one, you hold that Raiders offense to 10 points. Game two, you hold that Raiders offense to 13 points. And in game two, the Raiders had short fields on numerous drives, at least three deep in territory. This is a Raiders offense, a Raiders team, that averages 27 points per game. This Kansas City Chiefs defense held the Raiders' offense to 23 points in two games. I won, but two football games where you held the Raiders to 23 points and only 23 points. The reality of the situation is this at this point in time. The Chiefs are playing some good football. The Chiefs are getting it done. But my thing about the Kansas City Chiefs is not what you see in the regular season because they've been 20-3 and over the past 23 games. 20-3. and So the reality is they're going to do their thing in the regular season. That's the reality of the situation. They're going to do their things in the right season. And so, the thing comes when it comes to the Chiefs is what happens when we get in the playoffs? What happens when Alex Smith needs to win a game? And I know he won a game against the Broncos there where he drove the team down. The team was down eight. He drove them down and scored a touchdown. They also got the two-point conversion. They sent it to overtime, and ultimately they won. But when the pressure is on Alex Smith, it's going to happen. Alex Smith is a good quarterback. You could do a lot worse than Alex Smith. Alex Smith has gotten it done for the Kansas City Chiefs over the past few seasons. 
It's now time for Alex Smith and this Chiefs football team, who right now, if the playoffs were to start today, would have the second seed and would have a bye. But it's time for Alex Smith and this Chiefs football team to take that next level, and that's to have that playoff success. That's to be – well, last year they got to the divisional round, and they gave the Chiefs a tough um, – not the Chiefs, they gave the – Patriots a tough football game. They gave the Patriots a tough football game. And, and in doing so, and giving that Chiefs, giving that Patriot team a tough football game, you know, the Chiefs, they're a good football team, obviously. And they've always been a good football team since Andy Reid and Alex Smith have gotten together. But the time and the question becomes with this football team is what happens when playoff time comes. What can this offense do if they need to make the necessary plays? What, what can this offense do if they need to make the plays necessary for this team to be successful? It doesn't matter to me what the Chiefs do in the regular season. They've always been good in the regular season under Andy Reid and Alex Smith. They've always been good, in the regular, been good in the regular season when it came to Marty Schottenheimer. You know, in his time in Kansas City. So the Chiefs at this point, in terms of the playoffs, season would end today, they would get that bye. Yesterday game was huge. They get the bye, and now the Raiders, who were at one, go all the way to five. All the way to five. And that means, for the most part, if you're five, you're going to be on the road if you want to go where you want to go. That's just the reality of the situation. And I think this Raider team can travel. You know, they were 5-0 and on the road before last night. So they were pretty successful on the road. They didn't have much problems on the road. But last night, they came up against a Chiefs team that may have their number. That Chiefs team may have their number. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens the rest of the way. It's going to be a dog fight in that AFC West. If you look at the Chiefs' final three games, they're also going to have to find a way to replace Derek Johnson. But you look at their final three. Titans who are playing okay, decent football. Denver. And then at the Chargers. And the Chargers are always a tough football team. They're always going to be a tough football game. That's a team that easily could be on top of the AFC West. You know, all the games and they've given up late in all the leads they've given up late in football games. And all the crazy ways they lost late in football games. But I look at this game. Last night, it was a good football game, but it was Chiefs football. You know, they relied on their off their defense. Their offense did some things in that second quarter. You know, obviously you get that kick with that punt return. And when getting that punt return, obviously that was huge. Tyreek Hill giving you that punt return. That dude's electrifying, by the way. That dude is that dude is just shot out of the cannon sometimes. Woo! He's electrifying. But anyway, you have a situation now where the Chiefs now have control in that AFC West. And now the Raiders 
and looking at their final three, I mean, they got at San Diego, Indy coming to Oakland, and then at Denver. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing is going to end. It's going to be interesting to see who takes control of the AFC West. It was going to be interesting to see how this thing ends. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun, fun, fun last three weeks in the AFC West. And we'll see what that looks like. And we'll see what's going to happen. But I look at this game, that game last night, and I got to say Andy Reid, you know. Say what you want to say about Andy Reid and what's happened over the years in Philly and, you know, having not getting it done and some of those NFC Championship games, four to be exact, ultimately not getting it done once you get to the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Say what you want about Andy Reid. He is a very good coach. Great coach. Maybe you need a Super Bowl for that. But he's done everything but win a Super Bowl in two destinations. Granted, we'll see what happens with Kansas City in, in terms of where they're going to go next, in terms of how far, how deep they can get in this playoff. They could easily get to the AFC title game. They're going to be a tough team. They're going to be a tough out, especially what they do defensively. And, you know, we'll see how that plays out for the Kansas City Chiefs. But a good Thursday night football game, which is always good. I mean, everybody is talking bad, talking negative, not talking very good about Thursday night football, including myself. I can live without it. But it's good to get a good Thursday night game. Even though I can live without it, it's good to get a good Thursday night football game. And we got that last night in Kansas City. We're going to bring in a guy now, uh, Rex Burke. Rex Burke had, you know, Cincinnati Bengals. It's been a struggle for the Cincinnati Bengals throughout the course of the season. This was a football team I had going to, to the Super Bowl. I thought they were going to break through. But it didn't happen. Well, it hasn't happened to this point. It's going to be – and we, granted we're not even at the playoffs, but it's going to take darn near a miracle for the Kansas City Chiefs to get – excuse me, not Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals to get to the Super Bowl – excuse me, get to the playoffs for that matter, let alone the Super Bowl. But we're going to bring in now Rex Burkhead, who helped the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Philadelphia Eagles last Sunday. Let's bring him in now. Bengals running back. Rex Burkhead. Rex, how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And Rex, big victory by you guys. Dominating fashion against the Philadelphia Eagles. You, you guys are back to your winning ways. How'd you do it? We executed. <laughs> That's kind of what it came down to. Um, we played a complete game. Um, you know, I felt like finally we did in all three phases. Uh, as a team, we felt like that. And um, you know, Andy Dalton did a great job. He, he led us uh, offensively throughout the whole game, uh, had an MVP performance. Uh, we end up, you know, getting it done at the end of the day. So is this the most complete performance of the year? 
Definitely, definitely, I would say, um, you know, as far, as far as offense, defense, and special teams goes, uh, this is definitely um, the most complete win for us. We knew we could do it. We have the talent to do it, and, uh, you know, definitely the team and character to do it. So uh, we've just been waiting for a game like this, and, uh, you know, I think that it's kind of later in the season, but, uh, you know, it's good to, good to do it. So you guys broke your three-game losing streak, and Rex, you were a big part of this victory, 66 yards from scrimmage against the Philadelphia Eagles. Talk about your performance. Yeah, it was fun. Um, you know, just to mix it up in the passing and run game. Um, you know, I felt like the offensive line did a great job in the run game. And, um, you know, Andy did a good job uh, just checking the ball down to me in the passing game. And uh, just tried to make the most of the opportunities I got whenever they were there and uh, help the team win in whatever way. We're talking to Bengals running back Rex Burkhead. And, Rex, it, it's been a tough year for you guys. Everything that could go wrong pretty much has gone wrong for you guys in terms of injuries and in terms of losses. Put into words 2016 at this point in the year. Yeah, you know, it's been an up-and-down season for sure. Um, you know, we, uh, we've been trying to find, I guess, our identity as a team and try to find or get into a little rhythm. And, uh, you know, it's been tough. It really has. You know, since I've been here, we've made the playoffs every year, and we've always started off hot. And, um, you know, I always had a – had to had to be in a position to to make the playoffs. So um, this year's been different, and um, you know it's something I'm not used to, and this team's not used to. And uh, we're just trying to find um, our focus and uh, our identity, I guess you could say. And going forth now, hopefully the the Eagles game gives us some, some momentum. So obviously, Rex. I mean, no one wants to see anybody injured, but Gio Bernard going down did open up the door for you to get some more opportunities. Talk about your performance at this point of the season. Yeah, um, you know, like you said, uh, Gio went down, and it's tough to see that. You never, uh, you never want to see a guy like like that, uh, leader on your team, to go down. And uh, he's one of my good friends on the team and good buddies. So that, that was tough. Um, There's a lot of mixed emotions, uh, just because I knew um, I would have an opportunity coming off of that, and uh, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make the most of it now and uh, do the best I can. Now, Rex, this is a contract year for you. You will be a free agent at the end of the year. Going into the season and, you know, going through these final four games, did you have extra motivation? Oh, definitely. Um, you know, I, I try not to think about it, but, I mean, it, it kind of stays in the back of your mind. And, uh, you know, you, you think about it, and all you can do is hope to put some uh, good good tape out there, some good plays, and, you know, either the Bengals or someone else likes that. Um, but at the same time, you know, we're still not out of the playoff hunt. And, um, you know, I'm doing my best to get this team some wins. We're talking to Bengals running back Rex Burkhead. And Rex, over the years, you, you, you played a little wide receiver. You also played a little running back. Better wide receiver or better running back? Are you a better wide out or a better <laughs> running back? <laughs> I'd say running back. All purpose okay. back. Uh, that way you cover both. Um, this is what I've always played. I've always played running back since I was a kid, and, uh, you know, it's what comes most natural to me. And so um, I don't mind splitting out, um, doing receiver, or, um, you know, run the ball as well. So I, I like the best of both worlds. So now, Rex, you guys travel to Cleveland to play your former OC, Hugh Jackson, and the Cleveland Browns. They are 0-12, but they do play hard. How do you guys keep mm -hmm. it going against the Browns? 
Yeah, uh, just through preparation uh, throughout this week. I felt like we've had some great practices, and, uh, you know, we're just going to have to execute it on Sunday. Um, we know Hugh's going to have them uh, ready to go, and, uh, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be a great game, uh, you know, big-time game for them. They haven't, like you said, they haven't got a win yet, and, you know, they're going to be hungry for one. So uh, we're going to have to come ready to play. So let me ask you this. I know the Browns are in your division, but they are 0-12. And your former OC Hugh Jackson is with Cleveland. Do you feel a little sorry for your coach, your former coach Hugh Jackson? Yeah, he was. You know, he's a great coach. Uh, he's my running back coach when I first got to Cincinnati, and uh, some someone I really learned a lot from the game. And uh, you know, any any time you have a coach that gets an opportunity somewhere else, you're always rooting for him. And the uh, same goes if you have a teammate that gets an opportunity somewhere else, you're always rooting for him. And uh, you know, it's tough to see him go through that right now because uh, you wish the best for him and hope everything goes well. And, um, you know, hopefully not not on Sunday. You don't want him to turn around, <laughs> but hopefully he can turn it around, uh, you know, on at the end of the season. So you want to add to his misery on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rex, last week we saw a lot of NFL players wearing different type of cliques to support their individual causes. Talk about the cleats that Rex Burkhead wore last Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I, uh, my cleats were supporting the Team Jack Foundation, uh, which helps fund research for pediatric brain cancer. And uh, it all started uh, with a boy that I met in Nebraska, Jack Hoffman. Um, he was six years old at the time. We met in 2011. He was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And, um, you know, we kept in touch. We kept in touch, and uh, his family, they ended up starting up a foundation called the Team Jack Foundation, and uh, they've now raised over $3 million um, in helping, you know, fight pediatric brain cancer. So uh, it's been awesome to be a part of, and, uh, you know, that's what I chose to. Now, Rex, obviously we look at the final four games of the, of the year. I mean, you guys still have a shot to make the playoffs. It's a long shot, but it's still a shot nonetheless. You need the Steelers to go one and three. You need the Ravens to go one and three. And you do play the Steelers once, and you do play the Ravens once. All in all, how do you guys approach these final four games? Yeah, just with the every game, every day mentality. Uh, that's that's all we can do. Uh, we can't worry about um, future games or what's happening on going on in other games. We just got to focus on ourselves and. Um, you know, what we need to do to accomplish uh, to win games, uh, win a game on a game-by-game basis. And uh, that's all we can ask for from ourselves, and uh, whatever happens, happens. So, Rex, Christmas is around the corner. You know, you're an NFL football player, so you got a lot of things. But what does Rex Burkhead want for Christmas? <laughs> Not too much, honestly. Uh, I haven't asked for much, just a couple clothes here and there, but normally I'm not a very high-maintenance guy. and uh, I, I'm easy to shop for. All right, all right. So so the family of Rex Burkhead, make sure you get this guy something nice for Christmas coming up <laughs> in a few weeks. <laughs> so fans, <laughs> make sure you go to Twitter and support this man at rbrex2022. That's rbrex 2022. Also, go to the Team Jack. Go to teamjackfoundation.org, teamjackfoundation.org, and support that great cause. 
and support all the great things going on with Rex Burkhead. Rex, absolute pleasure talking to you. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Would love to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Take care. Yeah, you too. Appreciate it. Rex Burkhead, running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. Absolute pleasure talking to him. And, I mean, I guess anything is possible. But it's going to be tough for the Bengals to go where they want to go, and that ultimately is the playoffs. But as I said, it's a long shot, but it is a shot nonetheless. So you can't, while it's long, it is a shot. We'll see if they can turn around. I mean, it's it's been an absolute struggle. I mean, you lose your best wide receiver. You know, your 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 best, maybe your best player on the football team in AJ Green, and then obviously you lose Giovanni Bernard, which is also a tough, 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 tough to swallow and a tough person player to lose. We'll see what happens. Let's look at Clay Thompson. I mean, dude was absolutely amazing. Amazing the other night. I mean, 60 points. 21 for 33. 8 for four, 8 for 14 from downtown. 60-point outburst in only 29 minutes. 60 and 29. Wow. And, you know, I'm just looking at some of the numbers, and we're looking at Will Chamberlain's 100-point game. So Clay Thompson with 60 and 29 minutes was basically 2.07 points per minute. In comparison, look at Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point game. It was 2.08 in 48 minutes. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Also look at it. Looking at Kobe's 81-point game. Clay Thompson's point per minute was better than Kobe's. Kobe's was at 1.98. Clay was at 2.07. And he had better efficiency. 63.6, 60% for Kobe. If you remember Kobe's 81-point game, the Raptors were up for most of that game, I believe. And the Lakers started to take off, and Kobe started to take off there in that third. And ultimately, he went on and went on to get those 81. But, man. If Clay Thompson, at the rate he was going, the way he was playing, and, you know, what he was doing, there there was a possibility that he could possibly have gotten 80. If, If that game was a little closer, he may have gotten 80. And then you ask, I mean, he got 60 and three quarters. And then you ask, well, Okay, 
what is the benefits of leaving them in there with the possibility that maybe the Pacers might come at them, you know what I mean? It may, you know, still some type of way. Because we all know the final score is what, 142 to 104. So 38 point beat down. 36 point beat down. 142, 106. So a 36 point beat down. So it was amazing. It, it was amazing. I mean, and then just looking at some of them, some of the more statistics that come from this game. In terms of touches, Terms of touches, Steph had 64, Draymond had 53, Clay had 46 touches. Wow. And then, and then, I mean, it's amazing. It's just amazing. It's just absolutely amazing what Clay Thompson did the other night in 29 minutes. I would love to have seen him keep going. Obviously. Because I like to see history. Because, I mean, Kobe's 81 was truly, truly amazing. That was amazing. I didn't watch that game, but I remember waking up. Waking up. Working at ESPN at the time. Out there in beautiful Bristol, Connecticut. I remember waking up, turning on Sports Center, and seeing Kobe Bryant, seeing that he had scored 81 points and stunned, absolutely stunned, thinking no one could ever score 81 points. And then with this particular basketball game, same deal, woke up. 60 points, and then I saw those 60 points in only 29 minutes. Only 29 minutes. Wow. And so, what an amazing performance. He's putting up some big-time numbers and doing some big-time things. And so we'll see what happens with these Warriors. Obviously, interesting basketball game the other night with the Warriors and the Gold and the uh, LA Clippers. And the thing was with that particular football game, the Clippers, obviously the team's been playing some pretty good basketball throughout the course of the season, off to a big time start with it. 14 and 2 at one point. Now they're 16 and 7. So they got off to a great start. But they're, they're, they're starting to level off a, a little bit at this point in time. But you had the Clippers and the Warriors in a game that you thought the Clippers would really like to show the Warriors some things and, and show the Warriors that they're here. Well, it didn't necessarily work out that way. Golden State went into L.A. and, and dominated the Clippers, knocked the Clippers off, and, and showed the Clippers, guess what? You're not ready yet. You're still, still not ready yet. But I look at this football, this basketball team, and even though they got off to the great start, even though they have, obviously, a level of talent, 
a, you know, not just a level of talent, a, a very good level, lots of talent. Chris, Paul, DeAndre, Jordan, Blake Griffin. You know, you still have some talented guys. But I think I almost look at this Clippers team as a better version of those Hawks teams we've seen over the years. Those Hawks teams where good basketball teams, you know, teams that maybe can win a round, if you're lucky, maybe two. But a team that you knew at the end of the day had no shot of winning an NBA title. Now, the Clippers are more talented than those Hawks teams and over the years. But at the same time, the Clippers are just not talented enough. Just not talented enough to – and they beat the San Antonio Spurs a couple of years back in the playoffs. But at this point in time, they're not talented enough to beat the San Antonio Spurs, I don't think, in the seven-game series. They're not talented enough ultimately to beat the Golden State Warriors. Now, right now, they may be talented enough to win a round and might be talented enough. Well, I don't think they would beat the Spurs in the second round because that's the way it's shaping up at this point. It's still early. A lot of basketball will be played. But uh, the way it's shaping up at this point, I don't think they beat the Spurs, but I think they give the Spurs a good series. So as it stands with the Clippers, they're probably going to win a round. Probably going to win a round. And that's about it. Anything else? I don't see it happen. I mean, it's just, they're good. They have good talent. You know, you got CP3, arguably the best point guard in the game. Got Blake, big-time power forward. One of the better power forwards in the game. You got DeAndre Jordan. One of the better centers in the game. But at the end of the day, we say all that, but I got to say this. I got to say this. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not beating the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not. You're probably not going to beat the San Antonio Spurs in a seven-game series. You probably will get out of the first round. You probably will get out of the first round. And and in getting out of the first round, you're probably going to have to face San Antonio Spurs. And while I don't think it's impossible for the L.A. Clippers to beat the San Antonio Spurs in a seven-game series, I just don't think it's likely. I don't think it's likely. It's not impossible. It's just not likely. And so that's going to be interesting. And you wonder if the Clippers have another disappointing playoff run. Do you think at this point they'll finally try to break this thing up? I think at this point, I don't think this group is going to take you to the championship 
it's going to take you to the NBA Finals and beyond. I don't think this group is championship caliber. I just don't. And I think the Clippers should think long and hard. I thought maybe they should have broken up last year. But I think they should think long and hard and figure out what they want to do next and where they want to go next and how they want to do this thing. Because in San Antonio, you know, even without Tim Duncan, and obviously Tim Duncan wasn't Tim Duncan, you know, that we all knew and loved, but they found a way to retool. Wyatt stepped up. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge stepping up, you know, and, and bringing him in a big-time free agent acquisition. So you, you still are okay in, gold, in um, San Antonio. And the reality is the Warriors are going to be there, and they're going to be there, and they're going to be there. So you have to figure out if you're the Clippers – how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? How are you going to fix it? Because you're not championship caliber at this point in time. And I don't know if you will ever be championship caliber with the way things are going now for your basketball team. It is what it is. I think they've tried. I think they've tried, and I think they've tried again. But I think it's now incumbent upon Doc Rivers, Clipper management, to figure out that next step. Because at this point, the way they're going, it's going and it's looking like another second-round exit. Another second-round exit. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what the Clippers do. We'll see what Doc Rivers and these guys do moving forward. CP3 ain't getting any younger. You know, Blake Griffin ain't getting any younger. It's not. I mean, you look at CP3 now, 31. 11 years in the league. You know, how much good basketball does he have left? How much championship caliber basketball does he have left? Blake Griffin, still young, 27, still can give you a lot. I mean, where do you go? Is it, do you try to move Chris Paul? Is that the chip, the piece that you move? Or do you try to move Blake? You got to move somebody. This current Clipper roster is not going to get you a championship. It's not. So I think we need to, I think the Clippers and Doc Rivers, if you don't realize it now, needs to realize it soon. You got to realize it soon and you got to realize when to move forward, when to stick and stay and when to move forward. It's time for the Clippers to stop sticking and staying and move forward. We'll see what that forward looks like. Or maybe they just stay and, and, and do, you know, whatever they want to do and, and maybe try to win it one last time with this group. But, I, again, I don't think you can go past this. 
this year. I don't I don't think you can go past this year. And you, you got a disappointed if you exit early. I think if you exit in the second round, you gotta make some you gotta figure some things out. We'll see what Doc does. We'll we'll see what Doc does. There's a big game tonight in the NBA with the uh, Clippers, not the Clippers, with the Thunder and the Rockets. And I, I said this before, but can you believe at one point in time, James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant were all on the same roster at one point in time? Oh, by the way, Serge Ibaka. And this group, that group, ultimately got you to the NBA Finals. And then you ran into some issues in terms of guys getting hurt. And they're hurt. Whether it was Ibaka or whether it was Westbrook. It's killed you. Killed you. And then you made that Harden trade. A trade in hindsight. I mean, if you look at it, the reality is they chose Serge Ibaka over James Harden. Right move? I don't know. It's just a lot of bad luck in OKC. And then last year you had a 3-1 lead with Westbrook and Durant, and you blow that. But here's the thing. I can't believe first. It's hard to believe. You know, you're talking about one, two, three out of top ten players in the game together in, in OKC at one point in time. I don't think you could ever said that about the big three in Miami. Chris Bosh, was he a top 10 player at the time? I don't think so. And D-Wade, he was hanging on in terms of being in the top 10. I don't think you can say that. Could you, could you have said that about the Boston um, big three, 2008? I don't think so. I don't think those guys were all arguably top 10 players in the league. I don't think so. You could have said that about this uh, Thunder team if they were together with Harden, Durant, and Westbrook. But it's amazing that those teams were all together at one point. Absolutely amazing. Let's switch gears now. Let's go back to the NFL. we got a big football game coming up in the NFC East. you got the Cowboys. you got the New York football Giants. The New York football giants will be without the services of JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul, at least for the regular season. And if they can get to the playoffs, maybe they'll have the services of JPP. But you're the Cowboys at this point in time. You lost to the Giants in week one. Terrence Williams couldn't get out of bounds, didn't get out of bounds, and ultimately that caused you a football game. Dak Prescott's first start, I think he's come a long way since that first start. Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's come a long way since that first start. This is a football team with the Dallas Cowboys that didn't play their best last week against the Minnesota Vikings, but did enough to get it done and ultimately win the game. I mean, they didn't play their best. They didn't play their best against the Minnesota Vikings, but they did enough to get it to to do what they needed to do and win that football game. This game against the Giants – it strikes me as a revenge game. Obviously, it's a revenge game from the standpoint you lost to this team in week one, and this was the only team that beat you. So this is an opportunity for you to avenge that loss and beat the only team that beat you in 2016 thus far. I mean, the Cowboys, they're playing some good football, and I expect a big-time effort 
from this team next week. Uh, this week, I should say, coming up against the Giants. I really do. I expect a big-time effort. Cowboys already clinched a playoff berth. That's pretty exciting if you're a Cowboy fan. At this point in time, two and a half up on the Seahawks for the best record in the NFC with four games left. It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East. Yes, that, that will happen. It's also a foregone conclusion that the Dallas Cowboys will win will win and have the best record in the NFC East. You win this week against the Giants, you clinch the NFC East. And, you know, the Cowboys, what a story. What a remarkable story. From the standpoint of who knew. I know Dak Prescott played well in the preseason. But who expected him to be playing at this point of the year and then playing at the level that he's playing at at this point of the year. I mean, if you look at Dak Prescott, he has not hurt his football team. He's not hurt his football team. I mean, 19 touchdowns, but only two interceptions. That's not hurting your football team. So he has not hurt this team this whole year. Really hasn't. And so the way he's played, and maybe the offense could be a little more explosive with Tony Romo. But Dak Prescott has proven that he's big time. He's proven it doesn't seem like anything bothers this kid. He's got a great mental makeup. A great mental makeup. Really does. And so, the reality is, Cowboys win this week. They win the NFC East. And it's going to be pretty soon before they, you know, ultimately get or clinch the best record in the NFC. And then the playoffs, at this point, it, it's looking like, and I think pretty much a foregone conclusion, the playoffs are going through Dallas. The playoffs are going through Dallas. Do I think the Seahawks can beat Dallas in Dallas? Yeah, I think they can. I, I, I think they can. But also, even with that being said, well, here's the thing. The Seahawks now, they take a hit because now you lose the services of Earl Thomas. You know, Earl Thomas hasn't missed much football over the years. Earl Thomas, one of the best safeties in football. You know, he's one of the best safeties in football. And he made up that legion of boom. He had a 108-game consecutive start streak. And now, with the injury now, he's he's out for the year. And that's a big blow for the Seahawks. Got Cam and Richard still. 
But Earl Thomas is a playmaker, man. Big time playmaker. So now you're going to lose the playmaking abilities of Earl, Tom- Earl Thomas. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. And, and the thing about injuries, they are the great and ultimate equalizer. But the playoffs are going through Dallas. And if I would happen in terms of who's going to be there in terms of that NFC championship game, I think we're going to see the Cowboys and Seahawks. I think we're going to see a pretty darn good football game. Don't sleep on the Lions. We're playing some good football at this point and getting some good defense now. I mean, the issues with the Lions for me was what I saw defensively. But now they're getting some good, good defensive play. You know, the defense is playing a lot better. And obviously you're getting what you did from Matthew Stafford in that offense, that big-time Lions offense, who's been making a lot of plays. Matthew Stafford played like one of the better quarterbacks in football. And I always said, you can do a lot worse than Matthew Stafford. A lot worse than Matthew Stafford. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. But I think it's, it's, it's wide open. I mean, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the Cowboys are going to be an NFC championship and beyond. But I also think it, it, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting playoffs. I, this Cowboy team is not invincible. That Patriot team in the AFC is not invincible. So the playoffs are going to be fun. A lot of fun. Obviously, when you come into the playoffs, the, the thought, the belief, the idea is that the team with the best record is the team that's going to be the team to beat. But with that being said, there have been many years, many times, where the team with the best record wasn't the team that represented their conference in the Super Bowl. We've seen it. We've seen it. So it's it's, it's not just because the Cowboys have, you know, home going to probably get home field advantage, and just because the Patriots or whoever is going to, in the AFC is pretty wide open at this point, just because that particular team is going to get home field advantage does not mean that that is the team that's going to win it all when it's all said and done, or that that's not the team that's going to be in the Super Bowl. That's not going to be the team that represents their conference in the Super Bowl when, in fact, it does happen. We'll see. It's, I mean, it's, it's going to be very interesting, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I, you, you love it. You love it when these playoffs are wide open. So it's, it's always fun to have a wide open playoff. And that's what you're going to have here, a wide open playoff. You can't ask for anything more. In a wide open playoff. Because if you look at the NBA, you could argue, you could argue that the playoffs or the NBA finals, what's going to happen in those NBA finals is pretty much a foregone conclusion. Not what's going to happen, but who's going to be there. Pretty much a foregone conclusion. Probably going to be Golden State. Probably going to be the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Super Bowl, not the Super Bowl, the NBA Finals. 
just going back to what I was saying before. Last year, the two best teams, record-wise in each conference, both made it to the Super Bowl with the Broncos and the Carolina Panthers. The year before that, both teams who led their conference went on to play in the Super Bowl. That's 2014. 2013, both teams, Broncos and Seahawks, both made it there, and the Seahawks trounced the Broncos. 2012, both the number one seeds did not make it to the Super Bowl. Broncos didn't make it. The Falcons didn't make it. Ultimately, the fourth seed in the AFC made the Baltimore Ravens and the second seed in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers made it. But over the past, so you can argue, over the past three years, the top two seeds have made it to the Super Bowl over the past three years. Will that mean anything this time around? That should be interesting. We'll see. We'll see how that works. I will say this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a whole heck of a lot of fun. I can't wait to see it. I want to now go to the Will Smith trial out there in Louisiana. Trial now in its fifth day. Fifth day out there. And oh, that's interesting from a lot of different viewpoints. I mean, you just had the situation with Joe McKnight, similar situation road rage type of situation where the man, Nish Gasser, his last name, I don't have his first name, but I'll not get that in a moment, but he was sent home, wasn't charged right away, you know, released right away. And then conversely, you had the situation with Cardell Hayes, the guy involved with the shooting of Will Smith, where he was, you know, locked up, you know, given a bell, so on and so forth. So if you look at this case now, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing, you know, plays out. You wonder now that they move a little too fast in terms of how to handle this situation. It, it seems like, first and foremost, it's an unfortunate situation. It's an unfortunate situation. Most definitely an unfortunate situation. And you look at Cardell Hayes, the dude had a 1.7 million bail. I mean, 1.75 million. In a situation, more I'm reading about it, a, a situation that strikes me as a situation that obviously could have been avoided. Obviously could have been avoided. You know, alcohol may have played a role, you know, in this particular situation. But it seems like a situation that could have been avoided. And, you know, you get the sense and you wonder, you know, just reading about this and, you know, 
hearing various opinions on it, that if, in fact, the roles were reversed and Will Smith, Cardell Jones, Cardell Hayes, excuse me, and Cardell Hayes was Will Smith, whether it would have gotten to this point, whether, you know, Hayes would have been charged. You wonder. I mean, I think celebrity, is, I think, is definitely going to be huge in this. I mean, Will Smith definitely had some huge ties to that New Orleans area. Played there and stayed there after he played. So, it's, 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 a, it's a case that's obviously sad. It's just sad. I mean, it's the only way you can sit uh, to see a man, you know, to see a man die, to see a man, you know, with a family and a man who, I mean, it's just, it's just sad to see. It, It really... It's just a sad story to see a man with a family, a family. I mean, Will Smith had a family and, you know, had a wife, had kids. It's just sad to see a man just just die in that manner. And it's something that could have been avoided, most definitely avoided. And unfortunately, it wasn't. This case is going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. You know, just based off of what I'm reading, it it you could definitely think about okay, the guy didn't shoot him from the back, but maybe Will Smith was going to his car to get a gun. Will Smith was the aggressor, according to witnesses. You, you just wonder how this thing is going to play out. But it's it's you know the case aside, you know I can talk about the case and details of the case. And, and, you know, say maybe Hayes should get off. I think Hayes is eventually going to get off. I just think it's going to be end up being a self-defense situation. But in terms of how, why this happened, you know, you watch the video, Smith hits Hayes. Smith roll, just rides off. Hayes drives behind, taps Smith. And then it's on. You know, it's, and then it's on at that point. But initially, if you look at it from that standpoint, you know, Hayes didn't necessarily cause the initial accident, but he did hit Will Smith after he chased him down in his car. So it, it's going to be interesting how it plays out. And I wonder, I think almost I'm almost leaning toward Hayes getting off again. I could be wrong, but just based, based off of what I read, I'm kind of leaning towards Hayes getting off. But here's here's also the thing. And I talked about this last week. And I'm going to talk about it this week. You've got to be careful when it comes to these road rage incidents and situations because you don't know what you're going up against. You don't know who has what. You don't know what the mental makeup is, is of certain individuals, of certain people. You don't know. So because you don't know, you never know what you're going to run into, and you never know what the problems, the type of problems that could arise. 
So I look at this particular situation. It's unfortunate. It's sad. But it did not have to happen. Sadly, it did. Sadly, we're at this point. And no matter what happens, two lives will forever have been changed. You know, Cardell Hayes will always remember that day. And Will Smith is no longer here to see another day. Second hour, go for it, starts now. go for it starting right now in this hour we're going to be joined by jakeem grant uh, he was actually on the undrafted series on the nfl network miami dolphins wide out jakeem grant great story interesting journey but he's here in the nfl we're going to talk about the uh, dolphins and their tough loss against the ravens and what's next for the miami dolphins Moving forward, a team that was on a six-game winning streak was playing some pretty good football, pretty good football, before they ran up against the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, the Baltimore Ravens now, I mean, they, they, they smacked them. I mean, they, they beat them down. They gave them an absolute beatdown in that particular game. 21 on nothing at one point, and they just beat them down from there. They beat them down. But let's go to Carmelo Anthony now. And Phil Jackson. Sometimes with Phil Jackson, man, it's just he, he just needs to shut up. You know, just, just stay in your executive seat. Shut up. You know, you just say too much. Just talks and talks and talks and talks. And, you know, just you talk too much, Phil. You know, he's talking to CBS Sports Network, and he talked about uh, Carmelo Anthony. And Jackson said, quote, Anthony can play the role that Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant played in terms of triangle offenses. But he said, Anthony sometimes breaks a team role by holding the ball too long. Carmelo, a lot of times, wants to hold the ball longer. And we have a rule, he went on to say, if you hold a pass two seconds, you benefit the defense. So he has a little bit of tendencies to hold it for three, four, five seconds, then everybody comes to a stop. This is one of the things we work with. But he's adjusted to the triangle. He knows what he can do, and he's willing to see his success. And so I just feel like, you know, Bill Jackson just needs to shut up sometimes. I mean, this is your best basketball player. This is your best player. And I know you got him under contract, so Mel ain't going nowhere. But, I mean, you, you want to have, you would think, a good relationship with your best player, your superstar. But maybe there's a method to the madness here with Phil. Maybe there's a method to the madness. Maybe Phil is, is, is you know, throwing these shots here, throwing these shots there to inspire Melo 
to get to that certain level, that next level, that championship level. Maybe that's what Phil's doing. Maybe it's a little Jedi mind trick that Phil Jackson is playing here and trying to maybe get under Melo's skin, but in the process of getting under Melo's skin, trying to motivate Melo to be a better player. There's nothing, I mean, if that's your method, there's really nothing wrong with that. But I think that's something hopefully Phil has said to Melo before Phil has said it to everybody else. I hope that's the case. I hope that's the case. And so it's it's just Melo's like, quote, I really don't know kind of where he's coming from with those comments. He wants to talk about a cool. If he doesn't cool, in my eyes, it's over to me. I mean, Melo's kind of taking the high road here, and I think it's the only road to take in this particular situation. Because I think if Melo comes at Phil in a different way, in a different manner, it's going to turn into a situation that's not going to favor Melo. And I think it's going to be a situation that will work against Melo. In this particular situation, it's best to shut up. It's best to just play basketball and let your basketball game do the talking. Let your basketball game do the talking. I mean, come on. I mean, he was asked by a reporter, and Mello Mello wasn't having nothing out of it. He was done. Interview over. Done. Then Mello, you know, on Instagram, talking about ego and things of that nature when it comes to Phil Jackson, you know. And so Mello throwing a little shot, a little shot. I mean, I don't know if it's a little shot, but hey, Melo's, I think it's just, it's, he's throwing, you know, he just responded. Just responded to Phil on some level. But I think the best course in this particular situation is to just be quiet. Don't even address it. Just move on with your life. It's just the best course of action. You can't win. You can't win. You can't. And just looking at his Instagram, he's saying ego is the only requirement to destroy any relationship. So be a bigger person. Skip the E. Let it go. Camelo's letting it go. He's letting it go. He has a picture of Muhammad Ali. Slings and arrows being thrown at him. You know, and Ali just unfazed by, by it all. But I would say this, why even throw, and it's why, why, why do that? You know, be a bigger person, address it with Phil, talk to Phil, man to man. I know Phil was wrong in this situation from my standpoint, but for you, man to man, do what you got to do. But Phil's not wrong. It feels feels like this is a Jedi mind trick. If this is some Zen or some kind of whatever, Phil is doing to pay, play with Melo's mind to make Melo a better player. I don't know. Melo obviously doesn't like it. And so since Melo doesn't like it, maybe Melo can use it as motivation to not hold the ball as long as he does. Maybe. (laughs) 
But Melo, I thought Melo made the mistake of even signing in New York, to be honest with you. I thought Melo should have kept it moving and went to Chicago, but also know why Melo did what Melo did and stayed in Miami, not Miami, stayed in New York. Because Melo knew that there was a payday there, a, 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 a payday in New York, and he knew that New York could give him the most money. And so when you have a situation where you choose money over, can you say championships? This is what you get. Now, you can argue maybe the Knicks are growing something or building something. I mean, you do have Christophe Porzingis, who's playing some big-time basketball. Eric Rose is doing his thing. Maybe Phil has built something in New York. Let's go back to the NFL. We're going to bring in a guy now, uh, Jakeem Grant of the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, again, coming off a tough loss. But, you know, they're a game behind the Broncos for that final wild card spot, that sixth and final wild card spot. We'll see what the Dolphins can do over these next few weeks. But let's bring him in, Jakeem Grant. Let's bring him in now. Miami Dolphins wide out. Jakeem Grant. Jakeem, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. And Jakeem, you guys had a rough outing against the Ravens. 38-6 to beat down. Snapped your six-game losing streak. What happened on Sunday? Um, I would just say, you know, they, they, they were a great team. No, don't get me wrong. But I would just say that um, it's nothing. I, I just feel like we shot ourselves in the foot. I feel like, you know, if we continue to play like we've been playing when we were winning at, on the six-game win streak, then we would have came out rolling. But I, honestly, it was just, you know, we just had a bad game. So let me ask you this. Is it one of those type losses where you just kind of throw it away, don't watch the film of it, and just move on? It, yeah, I, I say it's, it's no. I feel like it's, it is one of those games, but we also need to go back and look at that game so that th- this game doesn't happen again. So we can show, so we can go back and make those corrections and see that you know we don't we don't like that feeling. You know that 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 feeling that we were having that, that six game win streak. And we were, you know, we were beating guys, and we had that great feeling, you know, at the end of the day. That's the feeling that we want to feel. But that feeling that we had in the locker room uh, a couple of days ago was, you know, we didn't like that at all. And so, you know, this is one of those games that, you know, uh, better, uh, better now, I mean, better sooner than later. And so now we got that out of our system, and, and now we're ready to roll and get everything, you know, get back on, get back on our winning streak. Now, Jaquim, obviously, like we said, you had that six-game winning streak after starting one and four. A lot of guys counted you out. A lot of people counted you out after one and four. How did you guys turn it around? Um, like I said, nobody was uh, no uh, nobody was uh, nobody was uh, with us. You know, only the people that was riding with us is the people that are on our team, and that's the whole mentality that we had. You know, nobody everybody's counting us out. We we like being the underdogs because at the end of the day, the underdogs will want to get the last laugh. And so we want to go out and, you know, prove people that, you know, you know, Miami Dolphins are here and, and, and we're going to stay here and we're going to show up and we're going to play. We're talking to Dolphins wide out, Jaquim Grant. 
One of the reasons you guys turned it around is to play Ryan Tannehill, your quarterback, who was nine, who had nine touchdowns and only one pick during that six-game winning streak. He started slow, but now he's balling right now. Talk about the play of Ryan Tannehill. Man, Ryan Tannehill is a, uh, just let's start off by saying he's a tremendous guy and he's a very outgoing guy and, and he he's he's a leader on our team and you know just he yeah well, he y'all might think uh, some guys might think he started off on on a bad foot but you know let's say well, I, I hold I hold our season started off on a bad foot but Ryan stepped up and 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 he 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 showcased his leadership. And he got everything rolling with our offense, you know, even when it was Jay, you know, rushing for 200 yards and, and with Ryan in the air, you know, throwing the ball and, and, and just, you know, showing them that he could put up points and he could do a lot of things. You know, Ryan is a, a tremendous quarterback. And, you know, I would go to battle with him any day of the week. And, and, and Ryan is, you know, that's my quarterback. And, and I love that guy. And, I, you, and like I said, I, I would go to work for that guy, and, I, and he would do the same for me. And, you know, and everybody, everybody makes mistakes, and nobody's perfect. And, and Ryan is on his way to be a, a, a very great quarterback, a very great quarterback. Your first touchdown was a thing of beauty. 74-yard punt return, four touchdown against the Titans. Take us through that moment when you scored your first touchdown. Man, there's no. I, I I would say it's it's unbelievable, you know, because as a little kid, you always you know dreamed of being in the NFL, but actually to just score your first game game touchdown and you know in the NFL is is it's no better feeling, you know, it, and like a lot of emotions was rushing through me, you know, I couldn't even. I I, I talked every day. I was telling everybody, you know, if I score, I'm gonna do this celebration dance. But I couldn't even do that because it was just like when I got there, you know, it was like, man, I'm here, you know, and <laughs> I made it. I, I made it to the NFL and I scored my first, you know, NFL touchdown. And I'm like, you know, what I do, you know, I was just fuming with, you know, a joy. And I just couldn't, I just didn't know how to express it. But, you know, it'd be like, you know, just tell them, just saying in my head, like, I, I knew this day would come. I knew this day would come. And so, and it did. And, and, you know, it's, like I said before, it was no better feeling. So what dance did you have planned? What would you have planned? I don't know. I, I wanted to, I, you know, I wanted to, you know, do the, the you know, the folks that everybody does. Okay. Um, you know, kind of, you know, you know, get up there with, you know, Odell, you know, how he, how he be doing the dance move and, and kind of like, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just wanted to, I had a lot of dance moves going in my head. And I was like, I couldn't decide from the two, so I didn't dance at all, you know. <laughs> so, but, I mean, you know, it's it, like I said, I just couldn't I couldn't decide, you know, because I was in the end zone. I just scored, and that was my first touchdown. So I was like, man, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I'm just going to keep this ball in my hand and, and just uh, take it on home with me. We're talking to Dolphins wide receiver Jaquim Grant. And Jaquim, like we said, you had some good moments. That 74-yard punt return for a touchdown. You had some bad moments, including three muff punts yeah. against the Chargers. But as a whole, yeah. how would you rate your season thus far? Um, I would say as a whole, um, you know, I, I've I've done I've done okay. You know, um, a lot of people would say, yeah, he's done good. You know, he's he's been returning uh, punts and you know doing good. You know, averaging good yards. But to me, I, I've I've done okay. I expect uh, I'm my worst critic. 
you know, and I, I want to be way better than, you know, anybody will see me being. And, and you know, I feel like, you know, I still have a lot to prove in these, in, in the, going at the end of the season, going into, you know, the last stretch of our season. And I feel like, you know, I got a lot, a lot more to, you know, show the fans and just, you know, show, just show myself most importantly that, you know, that those mistakes that I made in, you know, in the other half, the first half of our, our season, that those mistakes won't be made on, on this, on this back end. And so, and just so far, I feel like it's, it's going okay. And I can still turn that around and have a great season. So let me ask you this. Five, six, 170 plus pounds, obviously not ideal height for the NFL. I just look at your journey off the field. It was rough as well. I mean, you, you were shot as a child, stabbed in a club in 2014, but you made it, man. How? Um, I would just say my, my willingness and determination. You know, I always told I always told my mother, like, you know, you know, one day I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna make it to the NFL, you know. And I always used to tell her like and she was like, You have to get me that good degree and I was like, Yes ma'am, I'll get you that degree but I I'm gonna make it to the NFL no matter what nobody telling me and no matter no matter what, you know, bumps in the road that, that come along, you know, and and that's just been my whole mentality. I've been through so much as a kid, and I watched my mother go through so much raising me and my, me and my my brothers, and and just what she went through. I had to, you know, I had to tell myself, you know, your mom did doing this and this for you. You have to do something in return, you know, to you know help your mother out and and help you know your family out, you know, and and things like that. And I seen my mother, her willingness to take care of. Me and my brothers all by herself, you know, she, she kept us with the final things. She got us, you know, you know, video games when, you know, we got, she got us the PlayStation when the PlayStation came out, the Xbox when the Xbox came out, you know, she kept us up uh, with, you know, the electronics and all of those things just kept us up with everything. And, and, that, and I felt like that was outstanding for a single mother raising three growing men and by herself with no one, nobody to help. And so that that is still that is still in me like, hey, Jakeem, you have to you know go out there and push yourself as hard as your mother pushing pushing herself to raise y'all three. It wasn't easy for her, you know. I feel like me and my brother made my mother hell, and and I and ideally that would come from you know raising three grown three growing men, but you know we loved our mother, we treated our mother with respect, and 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 she raised us to the man we are today. And I feel like, you know, this is, this is the reason why I work so hard because what my mother done for us is, is unbelievable. And I feel like, you know, I have to pay that back to her, even though she doesn't expect anything in return. And I feel like I want to give my, my family, my kids, the things that, you know, my mother gave us and plus more because now I have, you know, the funds to do that, and and I, I have the funds to you know, you know help my mother out every every once in a while, and you know just to say, hey mom, hey hey mom, I'm gonna move you out, you know I'm gonna get you your own house one day, and I just want you to just continue to hang in there with me. For sure, for sure. So let me ask you this: you, you were shot as a child. Where did you get shot? 
Um, I, w- I wasn't shot. My oldest brother was shot when I was okay. uh, in high school. My oldest brother okay. was shot in the neck, and I was stabbed underneath the chin. We're talking to Dolphins wide out. Jaquim Grant, you survived it, man. I'm glad you're here. Let me ask you this. We saw your journey, your story on Undrafted on the NFL Network. How was that experience for you? Um, that that experience was, you know, it had highs and lows. That's the, that's why I want uh, I can say about that. You know, it, it was times, you know, where I came out of the season uh, with one of the top stats in in the nation, and they're still overlooking me because of my size and this and that. And you know, I'm I'm seeing guys go get invited to the combine that you know I torched, and 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 guys that I had way better stats than. And this and that, and so I'm I'm thinking in my head like, like, you know that that kind of thing came to myself like, am I really good enough? Well, you know, and and you know those negative thoughts came to my head, and then I started to tell myself, you know, man, I don't, man, forget that, I, I'm I'm good enough, you know, I I'm more than good enough to to play in the NFL, and so and I just kept, you know, I kept pushing it, you know, and and when the combine came around, I was like, man, I didn't get that. I didn't get that combine invite. It, it really, you know, you know, it ticked me off because as a, a goal of mine, I wanted to go to the combine, and, you know, and, and break Chris Johnson's record because Chris Johnson is a guy that I looked up to when I was growing up playing football because of his speed and, and because I pride myself on speed. And so I just – that that added more fuel to the fire to for me to, you know, go out there and prove them that, you know, my – my speed is unreal, you know, and, and I just want to go and show people that I can, you know, I can, I can break the clock if you tell me. And so, and, and, and that's what my whole motivation was, you know, doing, doing, you know, doing training and on my path to the NFL, you know, and it, it was just like every day I went home after I got done training for the day and I, I looked my kids in the eyes and I was like, you know, and, I have to do this for them, you know, and because sure. it was hard for me, you know, getting those those scholarship checks and taking care of my kids and 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 surviving off that little, you know, that little bit of money. It was it was it was extremely hard, and so I was telling myself, you know, I don't I don't want to go through that. I don't I, I hate going through that, you know, just having to make ends meet just to you know make sure my family is taken care of and right. and now and, and that and that just you know motivated me to even to push even harder. And so when I went to Pro Day, you know, I was like, here's the time. Here, here's the stage. You know, you've been you've been practicing for this moment your whole life and here it is. And the and the opportunity presented itself and I went out there and I and I gave it my best. And and when draft day came and, and Dolphins selected me when no, and when all the other teams passed me up, and so I owe, I owe everything to the uh, Miami Dolphins, and that's why I'm going to continue to become and be the best that I can be, because they sure. took their chance on me, and I want them, and I want them to uh, know that you know I'm 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 going to ride with you guys just like you guys rode for me, and y'all pulled a chance on me. So every team that didn't you know pull the card on me. I'm going to make them pay for it. All right. All right. We're talking to Dolphins wideout, Jaquim Grant. I want to ask you this now. Cardinals coming to town next week. Obviously, you guys want to get back on your winning ways. How do you get back 
to your winning ways? I say we go back to the basics. What got us there at the first, the first beginning? You know, just doing the the little stuff. Because I feel like it's not the big. It's, it wasn't the big things in that game that killed us. It was just the little things. The little things that we weren't doing. The little things that wasn't clicking is the reason why the game didn't go the way we wanted it. So if we get back to the basics on the and and win the games like we saw when we started off winning then we're going to get rolling. And, and I feel like nobody can stop us. We, we stop ourselves. And so I feel like once we get those things corrected, you know, who knows? Obviously, you got the Cardinals this week. You got four games left. Right now, you're a game behind Denver Broncos for that sixth spot. Let me ask you this. End of the day, you think you guys can sneak into the playoffs? I, I believe we can, but I feel like that is that isn't our approach. We don't we, we're not worried about um, man. We need to make it to the playoffs. We're worried about winning that next game. And when we when we think like that, that that's what we that's that that's what make us you know so so good because we're not thinking ahead. We're we're taking we take it step by step by step. And so we're only focused on one game. And when that next game comes up, we're focused on that game. We're all in for this game. So we're willing to ride and, and, and die for that game, for that game, and, and see what the next week brings. And we shall see. Four games left, one game behind. In terms of that sixth and final spot for the playoffs, we'll see what the Dolphins can do in these next four weeks. Fans, hit this man up on Twitter at underscore. The dream is here and support all the great things going on with Dolphins Wideout, Jakeem Grant. Absolute pleasure talking to you, sir. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Yes, sir. Let's, let's do it again. And I really appreciate you having me on, on the show. Take care. Best wishes to you. You, you too. Thank you very much. Jakeem Grant, Wideout for the Miami Dolphins. Absolute pleasure talking to him. Can't wait to talk to him again. Now, we had last, well, we had last week the uh, college football playoffs. Didn't get a chance to talk about that. Get out, we'll talk that before we get out of here. Obviously, if you look at the, how it went down, the committee favored the one loss over the two losses. And I think if we look at it, and, and I think some interesting points were made during that selection show, but one of the things that kind of stuck out to me was obviously Penn State. They were a team that started a little slow. You know, there was talk that James Franklin could be fired, but they finished strong. They finished strong, 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 and were able to win and beat Ohio State, but what killed them, wasn't the loss to Michigan. It was the loss to, well, it was just, it was the loss to uh, the Pitt Panthers. And the reality is, and Pitt's a decent football team. Pitt's decent. So be Clemson. So Pitt's not a bad football team. You know, eight and four, but a team that beat Clemson, a team that can score, build up. But they beat Clemson. But Pitt 
it's not a bad football team. They scored 76 points against Syracuse. Not saying Syracuse is great, but I'm saying it just goes back to how great that offense is. But anyway, if Penn State would have played somebody else other than Pitt and got that victory, played a, a softer opponent and got that victory, it would have been 11-1, to and ultimately they would have been in the playoffs. But the reality is the committee said one was better than two with the way things worked out. You know, obviously one was better than two. And I couldn't see Penn State leapfrogging Washington after Washington won their particular football game. I just didn't see it happening. And so Penn State, too little, too late for Penn State. But they ended strong. And, heck, I mean, they looked good down the stretch, man, including that comeback victory against Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. But the committee got it right. Alabama. Uh, Alabama and um, Washington. And then, you know, Clemson and Ohio State, which is going to be a good one. I'm interested to see that one. Can't wait till December 31st, New Year's Eve. I actually think that's a bad day for it. I just think it is. I don't know how many people are going to be sitting down watching football. I know they had some rating issues last year, but we'll see how that plays out. It is New Year's Eve, and people are preparing for the part to party, preparing to go out and about. So it's, it's difficult, but we'll see. I want to thank Joaquin Grant for stopping by. I also want to thank Rex Burkhead for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgame, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForGant. G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.